We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays, because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void or prohibited. Welcome into the Rotowire Basketball Podcast. It is February 15th, otherwise known as the day after Valentine's Day. DJ Trainer here joined by the venerable Nick Whalen. Nick, you're feeling sick, so I'm going to I'm gonna lead this thing yeah. if that's all right with you. More like sick whale, am I right? Yeah, yeah I don't know if you're right or wrong. I, I don't even know what you just said. Uh, so thanks so much for joining us um, right before the All-Star break. A ton of teams in action tonight, but we're going to take a different approach. We're going to... Talk about our most desirable franchises to own and our least desirable franchises to own. This, of course, is coming from a recent list put out by Forbes, uh, most valuable franchises. We're going to look at this from a broader picture and analyze a lot of different things. So Nick and I are going to give both our 
top five franchises that we'd like to own and our bottom five franchises that we'd say, you know what, we might even pass on some of these if given the opportunity. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> you wouldn't? You wouldn't? All right, all right, all right. So a lot of factors involved, um, but let's start with the bottom five because I think that's that's fun to do. Let's Let's dig into the dirt right away. According to Forbes, the last five valuable teams, at least in terms of monetary value, Memphis Grizzlies at 26, Milwaukee Bucks at 27, 28, the Charlotte Hornets, 29, Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, number 30, and last, New Orleans Pelicans. I think that there's one strong correlation with this list, um, and that's the NBA attendance record so far this season, Nick. We won't say it goes hand-in-hand. But if you look at the attendance so far this season, uh, those five teams are going to be definitely be down in the bottom 10 for attendance this year. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into these rankings each year. And, you know, I don't I don't have them year by year. Unfortunately, as great a job as Forbes does with this list and offering more details, it's not in a very like reader friendly format, especially if you're trying to do a podcast about it, because it's basically a Bleacher Report slideshow. Uh, so it's tough to kind of to analyze it all at once. But uh, there's a number of factors that go into this. I mean, you look at New Orleans at, at 30 right now, obviously, you know, somewhat of a a newer franchise, I guess, you know, with, with the... And the market is smaller than people realize. Right. It's New actually Orleans one is... of the smallest of all the NBA markets. I think it's t- bottom three, and it might actually be competing with the smallest market when you even when you're looking at uh, Oklahoma City, because Oklahoma City itself is comprised of a lot of big suburbs, whereas New Orleans... Um, yeah, it's just smaller than you might realize. Yeah, I think it, the city itself has like a bigger reputation than the amount of people of that live there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, population-wise, it's 49th. I mean, there's fewer people that live in Louisiana than Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Wichita, Kansas, or Omaha, Nebraska. So, I mean, it's ahead of Cleveland in terms of population, if you want to put it that way. But Cleveland also pulls from Cincinnati. It pulls from Columbus. It pulls from Akron, et cetera. New Orleans has you know other surrounding areas, but... Uh, not quite to the degree of, of a state like Ohio. So market size, um, you know, if there's a team that you look to, like we, we talked just not on the podcast, just in the office, you know, the last couple of weeks about like, it, would the NBA expand or would they prefer to move a team to Seattle at some point? And of course, this was all hypothetical. And it was really, really hard to come up with any team that you're like, you know, a couple of years ago with the Bucks or with the Kings, you know, they, they couldn't, basically it comes down to, can you get an arena deal? Right. And like every team has one right now. And the Pelicans are probably the only one where things are like somewhat dicey, but they're not going to have to deal with that for another like eight to 10 years or something like that. So the NBA in terms of its 30 current teams or 28 cities, however that breaks down, uh, everybody's in pretty good shape. So even being 30th on this list, it's not an honor, but it doesn't mean you're running a crap organization yeah no that's fair to say i don't know there's a lot of all-star games in new orleans i don't know if the nba just wants to you know not have all-star games in new orleans anymore so they might just hold on to the pelicans just for that fact alone well the, yeah i don't i mean obviously this this all-star that's coming up this weekend wasn't supposed to be in new orleans. right it's just like a, oh well you guys want to take it you've done this before like you got everything going wait so. mardi gras the same time as when we'd play this uh yeah right. let's go ahead and switch to new orleans right i mean 750 million for the least valuable team in the league is still pretty good and that's Forbes of course when there's actual actually real bidders trying to buy it because it, I mean, if higher. you go back and look at the Clippers before Balmer bought it I bet they were at the one of the ones at the bottom too but what do you buy a couple billion dollars and so that shot up the value just mm-hmm. based on because that was the most recent purchase um, so that's the Forbes list it didn't really sway our opinions at all um, let's get into our bottom five at 26 for me 
I did grow up in Oklahoma. I am an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, but did at 26, you? in terms of if you were just going to give me every single organization and I could pick any one I want to own, I have them as 26th. And here's the reason why. For their entire existence, Kevin Durant has been on their team. And for most of their existence, Russell Westbrook has been there. And then you also can toss in Ibaka and James Harden. This franchise does not know any other way besides having a mega superstar on their team. If Russell Westbrook leaves, you know, next year, year after that, or even down the line, um, we're talking about a franchise that has never had to deal with a bad team. That first year, that first year and a half, uh, it, it struggled a little bit, but there was still hope and a promise. If, if and when Russell Westbrook leaves, you're talking about a small market, not a lot to cheer for, and not history. You don't, I mean, you have a fan base now, but it's young. Uh, it's foolish, if you will, too. And, um, I don't know if I'd want to own the Oklahoma City Thunder that didn't have a superstar on it. Yeah, well, I think you have to factor in a ton of things when you are making these rankings, and, and Forbes obviously does. I mean, the quality of play and the players on the current roster aren't necessarily much of a factor. If you look at the two most valuable teams, the Knicks and the Lakers are two of the you know 10 worst teams in the NBA, and neither of them have this wildly bright future. I mean, the Lakers have a nice collection of young players, but, you know, I think there's a lot of cores that you'd still take over that one. Um, so I, I think the brand itself, the market, are much more important than what your current roster looks like or what your roster might even look like in five years. Like, the Knicks could miss the playoffs for the next 10 years. You know, they've basically done that for the last decade. Um, and they would still be number one or maybe like at the worst like a hit to the Knicks value like they look at all the, the horrible PR that surrounded this franchise in the last five years alone still the most valuable over a massive massive brand by a pretty good margin you know 5.3 billion to you know what is it down to oh wait I'm reading this sideways since it's in bar graph well form. real estate alone of Madison 3. Square Garden 3.3 billion for the Knicks 3.0 billion so 3 billion for the Lakers I mean they're worth $300 million more than the Los Angeles Lakers, despite putting out a objectively a horrific product for the better part of the last 15 years. Yeah, most definitely. And, and because there are so many factors, uh, that's why I have the Thunder where they are. I mean, the, the redeeming factor for them right now is Russell Westbrook. When that's gone, I mean, they've been selling out night in, night out. But at some point, is that fan base going to be there um, through a three, four-year dry spell? They haven't had to deal with that quite yet. So the uncertainty there for me as a potential owner um, is is scary. Uh, next team, number 27 on my list, Memphis Grizzlies. And they've been pretty good, Nick, obviously. But if you look at their attendance, they're, they're lower. Um, let's see. I believe they are... Number 22, for a team that's actually pretty good, you've got quote-unquote superstars, Mike Conley, Marcus Gasol, at least fringe superstars, a likable team. I think Memphis loves loves their team, but again, not a rich history uh, in Memphis, and when that team is not competing, I just think that it's not going to be a fun franchise to own, especially when you're considering some of these other options. Any disagreement with that? I mean, you just kind of have to know what you're getting yourself into with, with a team like Memphis. I mean, it's kind of the same thing that I just brought up like Memphis could win you know you know they could they could go to the playoffs for 10 straight years and the Knicks could miss the playoffs for the next 10 years and it wouldn't matter like the Knicks as a brand New York City as a city is always going to trump Memphis regardless of success so I mean if you like I'm not saying I wouldn't want to own the Grizzlies but it's like would you rather own the Grizzlies or the Los Angeles Clippers 
obviously you're going to take the Clippers based mostly on the market. Like Memphis just has a cap on it, as does Charlotte, as does Atlanta, as does Milwaukee, as does Minnesota, you know, all those type of teams. Yeah, most definitely. And and that's the troubling part. And that's why they're in my bottom five and, and Forbes as well. So 28, Milwaukee Bucks for me. We live in Wisconsin. We live literally an hour away from the arena and the new arena too that's that's being built as we speak. Um, but, you know, we have a first firsthand experience of it. Even with the new arena, Nick, like you said, there's a cap. And, and what are the two city names that people throw out um, when they say, you know, oh, you want to go play in Sacramento and Milwaukee? I bet not. And Milwaukee and Sacramento are kind of the punching bag for that. Spoiler alert, 29 second to last for me is Sacramento. And these two teams just kind of seem to be a punching bag in terms of players don't want to go live in that city. Um, millionaires don't want to live in Milwaukee. Millionaires don't want to live in Sacramento. And that stigma is just so hard to shake. And then when you throw in the the poor attendance record for Milwaukee over the last few years, Sacramento is, is definitely better this year with the new arena. Uh, hard to shake for me in terms of analyzing overall mm. value of an entire organization. Yeah, I mean, the bottom five, if you if you want to structure it like that, it just, it has to be small market teams. Like, unless you're just going to play favorites and say, I don't want to own the Lakers because I'm a Clippers fan or something like that. Sure. Like, there's really no argument, like, for why you would want to own these teams over the big market teams. Like, it's just, you could ask any owner. Like, the Milwaukee Bucks owners would trade places with, Jim's, with James Dolan in a heartbeat. And they would do the same with the Lakers owners. They would do the same with Joe Lacob and Golden State. Like, it's just you're operating on a completely different level in a small market. I mean, but at the same time, Milwaukee's worth $235 million more than it was three years ago. So you're still in a good spot with any of these franchises. And I think you bring up a good point is that most of these owners don't have any allegiance to the city where their franchise resides. And so, um, you know, Balmer desperately wants to bring any franchise back to Seattle. Uh, And a lot of these owners, you know, you just kind of get whatever you can because it's so hard to even have an opportunity to own a franchise you just kind of have to jump on it and take it and it's not necessarily going to be in their hometown rounding out the the least attractive nba franchise for me to own would be the orlando magic uh i've been down to orlando i've been to the arena the arena's fine the city is obviously big and you have have a nice market but there's just too many competing things um there's not the rich history i mean obviously Shaq and penny hardaway were there but I don't know. There's just nothing sexy about the Orlando Magic. Yeah, I mean, the, the Magic actually checked in ahead of Utah, Detroit, Denver, Atlanta, Indiana, Philly, which is surprising given the size of that market, Memphis, Milwaukee, Charlotte, Minnesota, and the Pelicans. So closer to the middle of the pack than the back of the pack, which I, which I thought was interesting. Um, I mean, Orlando, I, I think part of the value there is you get like all of North Florida for the most part. Um, right. You I, go all the way up not to just Orlando. Yeah. You go all the way up there. You get, you know, maybe some stragglers from, from South Carolina. Maybe you get Alabama. I, I don't know how that works, but you have a great, you know, Amway, which is a mammoth company sponsoring your arena. Um, I think that has something to do with it. A nice downtown arena, a city that, you know, is certainly not in any threat of declining anytime soon. So yeah, I mean, in terms of like, how horrible the franchise has been run lately they're not attractive but in a couple years you know i think that could change yeah i want to be clear that i'm not letting the recent trade of trade of Sergi baka affect my decision here i just wouldn't want to own the orlando magic compared to all the other teams in the league like you would rather own the king why would you rather own the kings and the magic 
Um, I guess California being in California is, is somewhat more attractive to me. Um, here's, here's the thing is that we're, we're both pretty young, but I remember Sacramento being good. And I remember their arena being packed and them having some awesome games against the Lakers. Right. Um, I know that can, that should be able to be said for, uh, Orlando when Shaq was there, when Hardaway was there. But for some reason to me, I, I dare say that the Kings feel like they have just a more storied history than the magic does. And so I feel I like it depends who you ask. Yeah. I mean, the magic yeah. have been in the finals twice in the last, you know, 30 years. I don't have the Kings ever. Yeah. Well, let, let me just be clear. I mean, they're in my bottom two. It's pretty damning to be in the bottom two. It's, right. You know, you know, you can flip flop them either way. Um, they're just a whole lot more teams that right. I'd rather own a, than the Kings or the magic. This is a tough exercise. I mean, we're like, I would like to own any NBA team. Oh, it's, like, it's, it's tough, just, but they're, they're going to give us an organization after this pod. So we just really need to just think it out and, and be good. So number one franchise that I would like to own would be the Golden State Warriors. Um, any disagreement with that? I mean, Forbes is, has drastically increased their, um, their value over the last uh, four or five years, basically since Steph Curry has been there. Um, the Knicks uh, are the number one, according to Forbes. Lakers, number two. But do you see anything wrong with me wanting to own the Golden State Warriors over those other two mammoth organizations? I mean, the Warriors are the team that's gained the most and kind of jumped into this tier. Like, if you would have looked at this list 10 years ago and someone would have told you that the Warriors would be, you know, right up there with the Knicks and the Lakers. And to be fair, I mean, they're still trailing those two franchises by a decent margin, but I don't think anybody would believe you. So it's kind of a testament to the great job that ownership has done to turn this around, how they've branded the team, you know, the impending move to San Francisco has a lot to do with that. Uh, I would still take the Knicks number one by far. I mean, you know, this team, as I've already said, you know, they're already worth $3.3 billion despite incompetence galore. And, you know, they're still packing that arena night in and night out. They've sold out every game this season as they always do. Um, like I look at this as like the baseline, like this, this team is like, look what the Warriors, the jump that they've been able to make in the last five years. Like what if the Knicks were good? What if the Knicks had yeah. competent management and good players and had playoff revenue and things like that? Like this is the baseline of where they're at. I, I think they could become even more valuable with, you know, any sort of success. The value of the Knicks is literally foolproof. Yeah. AKA they're li- it's literally James Dolan proof. Right yeah. yeah. So I get that. They're actually not in my personal top five, but I understand it. Uh, number two for me is the Lakers. Don't think I really need to go into that, even though they've been slumping. Number three, my turn some head Toronto Raptors. Here's why. Uh, I know, you know, they're kind of hot right now. And again, the Sergi Baca trade did not sway my decision whatsoever. But the fact that you have the whole market of Canada, an entire country, that's so enticing for me, and it just feels like the momentum for basketball in the country of Canada has really grown over the last 10 to 15 years. And so I think it's kind of an infantile market still, even yet, and it's going to grow, and everybody in Canada, of course, is going to be rooting for their their own country's team. And so the Toronto Raptors, I think that I might be a little bit premature here, but in 5, 10 years, they could be right up there, especially if the the game of basketball continues to grow in Canada like it has over the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, I think so too. I think the city of Toronto has grown a ton. I think what last year it just passed Chicago in terms of population uh, in North America. Like it's it's a bigger city, I think, than a lot of people realize. And basketball is still so young in the country of Canada and the city of Toronto that you don't have 
you don't have this like older generation of people who grew up Raptors fans. And I think it's just going to continue to grow and grow with each decade. So yeah, I, I think the Raptors are a team that doesn't even have to be that good and will still just keep gaining value. If another team is placed in Canada, maybe that takes something away from it, but I, I really don't see that being the case. Honestly, I mean, we've seen two teams be able to succeed in cities in, in a number of sports and not really take away from each other. Yeah, and I'm not stupid. I, I know that Canada geographically spans a, the same exact distance as the United States, or actually longer. Um, but still, there's just something. You know, if it was flipped on its head and all the NHL teams were in Canada besides one, it doesn't mer- matter where you know us Americans would be. We'd probably root for that one American team. Um, number four, Chicago Bulls uh, recently went down to the United Center, um, caught the game against the Kings. And just like you can say for the Knicks and the Lakers, even though this team is bad and they're struggling, the fan base still gives a damn to the point where they're involved game to game to game. Uh, we know the Bulls have had you know the best attendance basically because the United Center is so big over the last couple of years even. Um, so Chicago Bulls still very, very enticing to me even though they're slumping right now. And plus you have a city that could have two NBA teams but it chooses or just so happens to only have one. So I love that market share there as well. Chicago Bulls, one of the better franchises in the NBA for me in my eyes for sure. Yeah, I, I think much like the Knicks, they had so much success. Not that the Knicks, I guess, had success, but it, their their value is impenetrable in the way that the Knicks is. They the Bulls had so much success in the '90s that you build you build this fan base that is. It's like you'll always have that, even even if the Bulls haven't been good since then. You know, they haven't been back to the finals since '98, '99, whenever whenever the last Jordan Finals was. And it hasn't mattered. I mean, they're they're right up there in attendance. They're you know selling out standing room only every single game. Um, it's it's kind of like the Packers in some way, where you you just hold on to like you know people people knock Packers fans all the time, but it's like yeah, we won it in twenty ten, won it in ninety six. It's like yeah, you've only won two in the last <laughs> like twenty odd years. Uh, but like it it's just it sticks with you, and like people will always want to go to Packers games, just like people will always want to go to Bulls games. So I think when you like Michael Jordan, I guess, you know, living out his, the bulk of his legacy in a Bulls uniform just kind of cemented that franchise as an all-timer. Um, much in the same way, I think the Warriors could enter that category. If they if they rip off three of the next four yeah. and something like that, I think they'll become kind of this immortal franchise. Boston's like that. The Lakers are like that. Um, I don't I don't think Miami has quite gotten there just because of the relative lack of interest in South Florida and basketball. And that's not to take anything away from heat fans. It's just, it's a different market. Um, All you need to do is just show the screenshot of the fans who left the game, trying to watch the game from the arena windows. He'd have sold out every game this year though. So sold out for what the middle two quarters for what counts. Yeah. I mean, they're not, there's not everybody in the seats, but the tickets have all been (laughs) sold. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Bulls this year, too. I mean, the Bulls are not a very good basketball team. They're sixth in road attendance. That tells you a lot about these teams. Warriors are number one in road attendance. Cavaliers are two. Thunder are three, which is higher than I would have thought. Uh, and then you have, you know, Lakers, Spurs, Bulls, Clippers. Mavericks are eighth in road attendance, which is which is very, very interesting. People coming out to see Dirk, I guess. Yeah, I Dallas is a huge market, first of all. But road attendance. I know, I know, I know. But like, and then when people leave and go, and you know, yeah. you can you can still put like because 
these bigger these bigger markets are going to have great road attendance just because there's more people fans See, of that that's team. what I would have thought but then like the Knicks are 13th you know like you would think there'd be enough Knicks fans around that it's like if you move to Dallas for work you would come see them when they're in town I, I don't know right well yeah I mean this this is more so down. this this is not yeah this is more so just um you know even if you're on the road it's the home team wanting to show up and right. to see that that game and some of it too is a little bit fluky if you, I, I think it'd be better to look at it over the span of like five years because mm-hmm. you know some teams right. if, if they happen to be playing in golden state on a saturday right. or, or even even like in milwaukee on a saturday mm-hmm. it's going to inflate that because that game if it was on a wednesday night might only be 70 percent full and while you know if it's on saturday it might be 90 percent full yep that's a good point uh rounding out my top five here's a definitely a head turner uh, we can get into it the brooklyn nets what yeah, get oh out of here. Oh, my God. I'll just let that reverberate around the earth for a couple oh. seconds, and we can talk about it. Okay. The seventh most valuable franchise Yeah, is so fifth? Right. <laughs> what? No. I don't know, man. <laughs> All right. I mean, come on. When you say that, people start laughing because people really view this franchise as a team that's either like basically in the D-League um, yeah. because they're just strapped for personnel, strapped for cash, strapped for assets. Uh, it's tough. They are still in amazing market. Um, you were just there for the draft. Brooklyn is awesome. Brooklyn in and of itself has more than a million people. We're not even talking about all five boroughs and the tri-state area. Brooklyn itself has over a million people. That's already bigger than some of the other markets in the NBA. Uh, cool location, brand new, um, you know, brand new arena, and. When and if they're good, they have the potential to be just as like flashy and flary. I don't know if flary is a word as the Clippers, where you have you know superstars showing up night in, night out. There's a lot to like here. On top of that, it'd be kind of fun just to start from scratch. You know, like 2K mode. I think they would season one franchise. Um, It's it's almost as uh, almost like a blank slate, which is kind of fun and enticing. If if somebody stepped in and was the new owner, so um, who are some other teams, some other you know candidates that you would rather slot into that fifth slot other than other than Brooklyn? Brooklyn would definitely be up there for me. I mean, they're in the same conversation with the Knicks, where it's like they're the seventh most valuable franchise, and they're they're even in a way bigger hole than the Knicks are right now so i mean this is a team that doesn't own its first round pick until next year oh no 2019 wow of course because you got the swaps doesn't own it well yeah there's a swap this year next year it's just straight up uh no swap so they're not they don't own their own pick until 2019 and at that point who knows what this roster is going to look like they've won five of their last 45 games uh, they've won 30 games dating back to the start of last season total. So not a lot has gone right for the Brooklyn Nets, and yet they're still valued at over $1.1 billion. And that figure is only going to grow and grow because they have right now incompetent ownership that I think if it wasn't held down by that would probably be valued higher. And you know you're putting out a horrible product on the court. So like anything is better than what you have now. So in three, four, five years, I wouldn't be surprised if Brooklyn creeps up towards the top three. A couple questions: um, Would you rather own this team or that team, based on some teams that we haven't talked about? Let's go big market, but not playing that well. Would you rather own Nick Whalen, the Philadelphia 76ers, or the Phoenix Suns? 
So Both two massive, cities. two massive markets, top yeah. ten markets. Yeah, Philly's like the fourth most populous city in the U.S. Isn't and, it? and Phoenix is top Phoenix, five, I yeah, think, as well. Phoenix or, is like, yeah, they're pretty like close. Six or seven, something. Like, right. Texas sneaks in like three in the top. Like <laughs> Dallas and Houston, I think, are both in there, and like Arlington, maybe two. Texas Dallas, Dal- Arlington is part of the Dallas market, okay. Dallas Fort Worth market, but Houston is like the, f- yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, sneaky he, big, he, sneaky big. Uh, I mean, if you're like starting from scratch or like taking over right now, taking over right now, own it for the next, you know, 15 to 20 years. Mm. It, it, like there's no wrong answer to any of these. Like yes, there owners, is. there's dead no, wrong. Who's, answers what, who's the last owner to lose money on an NBA franchise? Like nobody, what, you're not losing any money. This whole exercise is based on fun and, and value. Oh, just funness to own. Like funness Philly's to a own. Great, Philly would be a fun team to own for now. Any team would be really fun to own, but I think Philadelphia at least has momentum. I mean, you look at like the bell curve that they've been on, like right. they're on the upswing now as it kind of kind of goes back up, assuming Joel Embiid is fine. Even so, like you got picks, you have other attractive young talent on the roster, you have a huge market, you have like a very youth-oriented fan base that I think both respects the history and like loves the Iverson era and looks back on it fondly, but then also understands the current era knows the game really well and i mean they've done a good job of just kind of developing these grassroots fans out of a team that's been non-contending for like five years now all right two teams that have been very good uh very solid over the last five years but their fan base hasn't necessarily backed them as much as you would think uh for how good they've been would you rather own just based on fun indiana pacers or the atlanta hawks i think i think it's got to be the hawks um I mean, those are these are two cities that are kind of in the same situation. Both have had mild success. Both fan bases, I think, like realize that their ceilings are only so high, mm-hmm. um, and like kind of only come out when things might get a little crazy. Uh, but I mean, Atlanta's the bigger market overall. I think there's a bigger potential there. They're going to need a new arena though at some point. Like Phillips Arena isn't old, but it's you know they're on the they're on the short list of teams that in the like next ten years might face some sort of dilemma. But I feel like Atlanta's a big enough market that there's not a real risk of losing that team. Although they did just lose the NHL team not that long ago. Yep, that that's definitely true. Where do you peg San Antonio Spurs? And this can be the last team we talk about in under this umbrella of a topic. Uh obviously a great franchise since Pop has been there. In fact, they just sealed their 20th consecutive winning season a couple nights ago. It's an NBA record. Um, Pop has had a winning season besides the first season when he took over midseason, so that season didn't really count anyway. Um, A lot of the value of the San Antonio Spurs can be placed in Greg Popovich, but he's going to retire at some point. Where would they slot into the rest of the 29 teams around the league in terms of value of potential ownership? So San Antonio is the seventh biggest city in the U.S. Really? Right, yeah. Wow. According to our good friends at Wikipedia. That's friend, amazing. Friend of the program. That's ins- I did not Philly know Philly is fifth. Phoenix is sixth, according to this list. Houston um, is fourth. Yeah. Uh, Houston is fourth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. New York, LA, Chicago, Houston, Philly, Phoenix, San Antonio, San Diego, Dallas, San Jose, Austin. Uh, so San Antonio is seventh. It's a bigger market than people realize. I think, I think the Spurs also dip into the Mexico market whatever portion of that is paying attention to the NBA. I well, would... that's and, and that's totally true because when they pick the Mexico City games, they had Phoenix down there, they had San Antonio down there, and that, yep. that just makes geo, geographical sense. Yeah, San Antonio is the second um, most growing city 
behind only Austin in the top 15 of, of populations so you have that. I think the Spurs have kind of built this brand now too, that it's going to be hard to destroy the loyalty that they've built up. And like, they've done it for longer than the bulls did. And yeah. I mean, this is something that's gone on since really the, the late nineties, you know, you have an entire, you know, 20 years essentially of people who were either, you know, adults at the time or were coming up during that time who are loyal to this brand of Spurs basketball. There is always the risk of kind of falling off the cliff, I guess, you know, of, you know, people getting spoiled and then maybe not reacting all that well when things inevitably even out. That's my thunder argument. Yeah. I mean, this is a little bit different. I think the thunder ones, you know, not as long lived and did not experience much as much success. Uh, I think I would, I would liken this more to the Patriots in Boston. It's like, if you're a Patriots fan, you know, this can't last forever, but you're not just going to stop liking the Patriots when Tom Brady and Bill Belichick move on much like it's going to be with Duncan and eventually Popovich. Fair enough. All right, let's move on and switch topics here. Let's do a preview of the all-star weekend festivities, which you will be heading down to new Orleans for, um, as somebody who's going to be in attendance in attendance for all these festivities, just real quick. What are you most excited for? Just one thing. Pitbull concert Saturday night. Um, he's going to be a part of the TNT countdown show. And then I think he's going to perform. I'm trying to, I'm trying to nail down the location on this. He's going to be performing somewhere after all-star Saturday night. So exclusive 18,000 seat arena. I'm sure. Uh, Yeah. No, yeah. See, maybe you can come back to the hotel do do, see what's going on. I don't know. Uh, I've never been to all-star weekend before I've, you know, I've been to other NBA events, the combine, the draft, things like that. Um, and that's been cool. Like the draft, I think is probably the coolest event that I've been to so far, but this is, uh, you know, a much more expansive thing. You know, like I, I have a packet of basically an agenda of where I need to be and where I'm going to go over these three days that it, that it spans. And it's, it's all over the place. It's, you know, media days here and then practices at this facility. And then this event is over at the Superdome. So it's going to be a lot of moving around. It's going to be pretty hectic, I think. Uh, but I'm looking forward to just kind of immersing myself in it. So the nice thing about going there as someone who's working for Rotowire and not like a team or a like news station in City X is that I can kind of survey things overall. Whereas, you know, like at the draft, for example, if you were a TV reporter in Philadelphia, all you're caring about is interviewing Ben yeah. Simmons and who and looking at guys that have been on the radar with their other picks. Like you don't care what's going on with Brandon Ingram because he's not playing for your team and the people in your market don't care about him. So like I can go and talk to whoever I want. I can kind of write about whatever I want and not have to like gear my stories towards a certain team, which is really nice. Yeah. You're going to have a great time. Let's quickly go over the order of events. And then if you want to jump in and talk more specifically about these events, we will. Um, so Friday, February 17th, we got the all-star celebrity game. That's going to be on ESPN at 7 PM. I'm assuming that's Eastern time. Underrated event. Michael Smith is coaching one side and Jamil Hill is coaching the other side. You wonder if that's some, some marketing involved with their new Sports Center so, 6. Yes. Uh, notable players on Michael Smith's team, Mark Cuban, uh, Baron Davis, a favorite of yours. And that's about Jason it. Jason Williams? Jason Williams, I guess. Uh, yeah, pretty underwhelming. Like Baron Davis and Jason Williams are enough for me to be very interested. Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon. Making an appearance. Other than that, you know, the guy from Arcade Fire – Oh, that that's is. right. <laughs> I think he's the MVP. Very yeah. Disappointing. Like, the, you're like, we're really going to let the guy from Arcade Fire win the MVP of a basketball game? Embarrassing. 
I love um, Arcade Fire, but anyway. So Jamil is notable players for Jamil Hill's team. Um oh, like you said, so Nick Cannon is on her team and Lindsay Whalen, your sister. Yep. Oh, m- mother. Okay. Yep. Mother. Point uh, Fat Joe is a coach for Hill's team. I know what she was playing. Yeah, he'll be there. Uh, Candace Parker's playing for the other team. So we got two yeah, WWE players involved. Other than that, it's it's very underwhelming. Like I, we are not Bieber fans, but if Bieber is playing in this game, it's it's definitely more would be high profile. By far the biggest celebrity. Like, they could do a better job with this. I feel like who? How many celebrities are turning this down? Like it can't be that many. Like there should be one more former players. Uh, two more famous musicians than the lead singer of arcade fire. Um, I, I just, I got, it can't be that hard, you know, like there, you could find more, I, I guess with the celebrity game, the, the goal isn't necessarily to be like, wh- what would diehard NBA fans want to see? It's like, okay, Ricky Davis. But I think it's more of like, what is the casual viewer who's just tuning in to see what this is all about? Like they want to see, Oh, that's that guy from, Modern Family or whatever show. Like, that's where <laughs> they always seem to come from, you know? Right. Well, yeah, of course. ABC owns ESPN and, right. and, uh, and Disney owns the, everything else. Or, How cool uh, would it have been if they could have got Obama? Like, that was that was something like in the last month on Twitter had really kind of swelled up and people were hoping would happen. I mean, I don't know. Like, he might not that might not be like safe for him to do as far as former presidential things go. I don't know how that works. Hot take. He would be chirping at the refs because you know when he was playing at the white house he got every call in his favor if you go on a neutral court neutral refs you know it might might not get as many calls might be upset with uh, the coverage from the referees that would be it's something that we haven't seen refereeing be much of an issue in these things before but it's a good point all right the bbva compass rising stars challenge happens after uh the celebrity game that's at 9 p.m eastern i believe um some change-ups. We had um, – I'm trying to think. I forget who who left. We have Alex Abrinas come in for the world team roster. Oh, that's right, in place of Joel Embiid. I was surprised to hear that. Um, you know, with this format, it, it's a little bit limiting. So you can't have players like Montres Harrell, like Sam Decker, who maybe traditionally would have made it – definitely would have made it over somebody like Abrinas in years past. Any overall issues with the composition of the team roster? I'm not going to go over it since we've known about it for a couple weeks now. Um, no, not really. I mean, like you said, it's a little bit limiting having to replace Embiid with another international player rather than someone else who might be a little more deserving, but as much of a joke as like the real all-star game is like, this is even more so in terms of lack of defense. And I I think this is the year we're probably going to see 200 points in either this game or the all-star game. I mean, all-star game got to 196 last year. Yeah. I think, I think both teams will conspire to make it happen for one of the teams. Um, that, that certainly could happen. I think that I'm surprised that you didn't say this on Saturday. We've got the Hall of Fame announcement, then we have the All Star practice at noon Eastern, and then at 2:30 we have the NBA D League All Star game. So it happens to be in the same place. Um, Johnny O'Brien the third will be there. You will be a major fanboy. Will Will Johnny O'Brien come out of this weekend with an, a restraining order against you? Is probably the best question I could possibly pose to you. Look, that's not up for me to <laughs> that's decide. Not a good, that's not, not a good start. I'm not going to put the restraining order on myself. So that's going to be up to J-O-B and his, his camp. Um, is he for sure going to be there is the question. He, he's on a 10-day right now and a second 10-day with the Nuggets. And like I believe if he's under contract with them, 
he's not allowed to play in the D-League All-Star game. So, like, they need to either renounce him or give him permission. It's like, we'll see. And he's not the only one. You've got Yogi Ferrell. Uh, Chris McCullough is probably in that same boat. Uh, Akaro White. And maybe Ray McCollum right now. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think – is Ray McCallum on a roster right now? I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just spitballing. But anyways, you have a few players that might well, actually Carl be able White, to play. Oh, Carl White is playing for sure. So that means okay. that like he's signed to a longer-term deal right now. So there are ways. I, I mean, I would imagine like the Nuggets really have no reason not to send J.O.B. there. He's from Louisiana. So I would imagine there's a pretty good chance he might be returning to the area anyway. Yep, fair enough. All right, that's all the time that the D-League All-Star Game deserves on this podcast. Uh, Saturday night, uh, things kick off at 8 p.m. Eastern. Taco Bell's Skills Challenge is the first event. Uh, I love the new format because, of course, it's big men versus small men. Um, any Anything you're looking for, looks like we've got Devin Booker, Gordon Hayward, John Wall, Isaiah Thomas, and then the big guys. We did have Embiid, but I'm assuming he's not going to be allowed. Okay, Jokic is going to take over for him. Porzingis, Anthony Davis, and Demarcus Cousins. Who is your favorite to win that event? I think it would have been Embiid. Like he, he would have taken tried seriously. Um, Now, probably Isaiah Thomas. I think he. I don't know him or Wall. It seems like we're we're back. This is a year that a a guard should win it after a big one last year. Like him and Wall are the fastest players by a good margin in this field. Well, what's funny is that when they actually have analysts for this event, and they always say, "Now over to you. What does this? What do these players need to do to win?" And then the the answer is always like, "Well, they need to care enough. Whoever cares enough right. will probably that's, win this." Right. That's exactly what it comes down to. That and making your three-pointer at the top of the key like if you miss that twice you're probably not going to win that and that that bounce pass sometimes isn't easy yeah. that, that's gotten people in the past it's a hard rim like if you rim out on that the ball can bounce unpredictably right and the weird part is once something bad happens invariably that player is just like is too cool for school and just like you know slows up for the rest so mm. whoever can make it through cleanest usually gets more confidence going um, obviously if you make it to the finals they everybody tries pretty hard uh next event the second event of the evening is the three-point contest and finally we're we're really getting into something more substantial here uh clay thompson kyle lowry eric gordon kyrie irving cj mccullum kemba walker wesley matthews nick young no jr smith chris fedor had a hot hot take about why jr smith has never been in this contest before go back and check out that podcast if you didn't hear it for this weekend, who do you think is going to win the three-point shootout contest? If Clay Thompson's healthy, I'm not betting against him. Um, I think mechanically, his shot is the best for yes, this type of competition. He was literally built for this. Yep. Um, I think Wes Matthews, in a lot of ways, could could succeed here. Uh, Nick Young, like this is this isn't his type of format. Like you got if you could t- if there was time to take a dribble, he'd be fine and he'd be the pick. You can't step back. There's no defense. Like that, none of this bodes well for him. Kyrie, Kyrie can get hot. Like I think Kyrie is the highest upside of any of these guys besides Thompson. Like I would not be surprised at all if he won. Also, wouldn't be surprised if he just had an off night and, and <laughs> you know was out in the first round. But he's won it before. Um, has anybody else in this field won it? Thompson has. Yeah, Tom- those are the only two. Then oh, he won it last year. Right. Yeah. I I don't, I don't see anybody else winning. I just. Is Kemba Walker even really that good of a three-point shooter to begin with? The numbers say he is. Okay. The last like two weeks say he's not. 
Yeah, and Eric Gordon could win if James Harden is out there throwing him his right. passes, but otherwise I don't think that's I wish scheduled to happen. Like, the clock is kind of you – know, the clock is there for a reason, I guess, but like I would almost rather they like allow you to have – you know, like have someone pass you the ball. Like, like you can bring in your own thrower, you know, for the home run derby in baseball. It's something like that where, like, maybe there's, like, a clock of, like, a minute and a half or two minutes overall where you can't, like, sit there and set up every single shot. But, you know, a minute is usually enough time to get them going at a pretty good clip. You're not, like, super rushing every shot. And, like, it would be more interesting, I think, if you could take a dribble if that's what you prefer or you could have your point guard pass it to you. Here's the sneaky secret to a competition like this. Everybody's right-handed, so you need the rack to be on your left-handed side. So when you grab it, you you naturally square up because if it's on your right-hand side, your your hands are just in an awkward position. And I so think it depends. I think – I think if I was doing this, I would definitely want the rack on my right side. Really? Oh, yeah. All right, we're going to go try this. Don't you want to step in with your right foot? Uh, I see see what you're saying. But I think your mechanics. Right. This is, yeah, as we bump our mics all over the place here. Squeakiest chair of all time. Uh,. Anyways, okay, I, I, I'm i just kind of assuming that bringing the ball across your body just naturally squares you up more than bringing it away from your body. Anyway, something to think so. about. We'll, we'll definitely take take note of it when you're in person. Up here. Okay, so here we have... This is Steph great Curry podcast. Yeah. Steph Curry has a rack on his left here, and now in a different shot, he has the rack on his right. Oh, so maybe for time... Because obviously there's five right. five racks. Yeah, it's a matter like of five. preference. Yeah. Okay. There's five. Fair enough. Interesting. So we see we just gave everybody a little tidbit, a little added extra something to look out for in the three point shooting contest. And um, I don't know, maybe we should put a dollar down on the winner bringing the ball across his body versus. I, I think it depends. I think it depends. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna have to study some film here. All right. Let's move on to your favorite event of All Star Weekend. The, the slam concert. The, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot it was the Pitbull contest. Yeah, no, the slam dunk contest. <laughs> uh, the slam dunk contest. Derek Jones Jr. Finally, people know who he is now because of that. Uh, I guess we can't quite call it Vine clip anymore uh, of Derek Jones. Redacted. Yeah, redacted, uh, lining up in the layup line. Just sick three sixty windmill between the legs dunk in warmups. Aaron Gordon. Don't really need to say much about him. Glenn Robinson, the third, I can't ever remember him dunking once. And then of course, Deandre Jordan, uh, Eric, Aaron Gordon and Derek Jones Jr. have the best body types for this, and that really goes a long ways because we know Deandre Jordan is creative enough and he can do some stuff, but it's there's just something completely different when a smaller stature person is rising up than when Deandre Jordan is dragging his toes on the ground. Yeah, I mean, he's still such an explosive leaper that it's like almost more impressive that he's so big and can still jump like that. We've seen big guys succeed in the past, Dwight Howard. We've also seen big guys flop. Chris Anderson, Andre Drummond a couple of years ago. I think Jordan probably falls somewhere in the middle. Like I I think he's a better in-game dunker than he is contest dunker, and that's true of most big men. Uh, whereas Derek Jones is kind of built for these type of contests. You're not going to do a 360 windmill in an NBA game. Uh, Aaron Gordon is kind of right in the middle, and we've seen him throw down huge, huge in-game dunks, but he showed last year that I think he's more, you know, more dexterous, I guess, with the ball in the air than – than anybody imagined. So, I mean, will Gordon have Levine to push him this year? No. So there's there's that concern. Did he kind of use up every possible 50 that he has last year? <laughs> like, it's hard to imagine he has anything more crazy. But 
we'll see. I, I, I think I would pick Gordon and Jones as my two finalists with with Jones probably winning it. I, I think Gordon it's impossible. It's gonna everybody what he did last year is gonna be fresh in everyone's minds and mm-hmm. it's gonna be no matter what the other three do, like he's kinda gonna be competing against himself in some ways. Uh, although it does help that he took second last year. I, so I think that that could maybe up his chances and, and earn him a little bit of favor with the judges. I think I'm rooting for DeAndre because uh, I love the high-profile star going out there and just doing it. Of course, he's a man of his word. He said he'd do the dunk contest when he makes the All-Star game, and it would have been very easy for him to just say, nah, i just kidding, not going to do it, or you know, I need to practice the rest of my body. But he's doing it. I love it. I mean, we all want the best and, you know, the biggest stars of the game to go out there and do the dunk contest. So DeAndre Jordan certainly isn't like a mega star, but at least, you know, we're getting closer to what ideally we'd want. Should be fun. Thank you so much, Derek Jones, for throwing down that amazing dunk just to get everybody a little bit more excited about the competition. That rounds out Saturday's events and festivities. Of course, Sunday, there's only one worth really caring about, and that's, of course, the 66th NBA All-Star Game on TNT at 8 p.m. Eastern. What are you most looking forward to? I guess maybe you hinted at it that you're hoping maybe one team scores 200. For me, I'm going to overtly read way too much into Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant playing on the same team together. Over under one and a half alley-oops between those two guys. Zero uh, Under. I don't think there'll be any. You don't think they're even going to pass it to each other? No alley-oops. I, I mean, I could see you. Russ is going to try to win the MVP, as he does pretty much every year. So that's going to be in play. And like there could be a, a run-out situation where he hands Katie the ball. But I, I don't think they're going to conspire on any off-the-backboard maneuvers or anything like that. Uh, but it'll be interesting because, like, Russ is going to be on the floor with KD. Do you think there's going to be any awkward where KD is open for an alley-oop and Russ just says, no, no I'm going to jack up this three instead? I don't think so. No, I mean, I, I think I don't think they would ever put this before basketball, especially on this stage. Like that's that's not what either of them want at this point. As much as Russ seemed to kind of fuel the fire, I guess last weekend, I think on this stage they'll they'll both be on their best behavior. Over the weekend, I, I literally saw two West Virginia collegiate players like hit each other, and then they continued to play on the same team together. That got a little more aggressive than I think we could ever expect yeah. Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook to get, them being on the same team. I don't know. There might be a little bit of chippiness, but, I mean, Russell wants this whole thing to be over, and so for him to create more and add more fuel to the fire I think would be a dumb move on his part, and it doesn't actually go into his own personal interests, which is just for this whole thing to be done and over with. Yeah, I, I think it it might be interesting to, you know, not that Russ would ever reveal this to anyone, but, you know, I, I would love to be inside his mind as he woke up on, like, Sunday morning and looked back on that night. Like, do you think he regrets the way that that went down? You know, obviously he regrets the loss and probably regrets a lot of the turnovers, but, like, does he regret, you know, playing up the rivalry more than it sounded like he was going to heading into the game? Like, I think at some point his emotions probably got, ahead of him more than he thought that they would we talked about on yesterday's podcast um the fact that russell westbrook continues to get peppered by the media with questions is probably just disgruntling him to no end and you're right it reached a bowling point um and i i I still think he wants it to be i don't think he really regretted anything because it was the heat of the moment and, and if anything he became more popular around the league for actually jawing and chirping with him um now he's gonna have to suffer for a couple extra 
uh, more questions from the media, but that's just, you know, the, he, he is kind of playing into it at this point. Last question on this podcast on this Wednesday. Are you going to bring me back any beads? Hopefully. I don't know. You, have, I, you really like have no idea what to expect because it is Mardi Gras this weekend there. I feel like you're kind of naive really, going though. into it. I don't think it's like really Mardi Gras. No, it is. I think Mardi Gras is like in a couple weeks. 28th is when if you if you Google New Orleans Mardi Gras, it tells you it's Tuesday, February 28th. When is Google when has Google ever been right? So I think it's like <laughs> I think it's like pre Mardi Gras. Okay. So I mean there'll be more people there than usual, I'm sure, but I think this is more of All Star Weekend than Mardi Gras weekend. I'm I'm a, I'm a week or two too early on that. Okay. Well, it's not the first time I've been dead wrong on stuff before. Well, you're going to have such a great time, man. Can't wait to talk with you on next week's pod, mm-hmm. pods, plural pods, and we're going to hash out everything that happened to you. Hopefully you have a lot of good, of ex- a lot of good experiences. You come back with a restraining order from Johnny O'Brien's. Pitbull, J-O-B. I mean, that, that's all, this is all assuming that I don't have another bout of hot tub poisoning. Oh, wow. Well. God forbid. Well. Keep it right here, locked on the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast, to see if Nick Whalen comes back with a new disease or not. Fingers crossed for not. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually, if all goes right, I'll be recording a podcast from the hot tub tomorrow with James. So if I can get that to work technology wise, uh, that'll be the first ever Rotowire podcast recorded from a tub. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.